Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire. And this is Love to Tell the Story. Well, as the song goes, as Christians, we should always have the joy, 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 joy down in our hearts, down in our hearts to stay, which is great. But the question is, in times such as these, how can we possibly remain unabashedly joyful? Well, that's the question we're asking in today's message, which is based on Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. And it starts with a little bit of singing. Well, as I've been pondering this particular text this week, and, and also in my <clears throat> continuing quest these days to uh, unearth some inspirational music from what might be referred to as the groove yard of forgotten favorites, here's one song that I got to tell you has been running through my head all week. Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Be happy. For when you worry, your face will frown. And that will bring everybody down. So don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy now. Excuse me. I, I digress. Now, I love that song. Speaking pastorally, if there's going to be one song on our lips after this morning service, it probably ought to be Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. But I gotta confess that Don't Worry, Be Happy, that lame performance notwithstanding, might just fill the bill at this particular time and place. Because I dare say that uh, we all need a whole lot of joy right about now. And given that for most of us, joy is intermingled with happiness, one of the best ways to bring that forth, I think anyway, is to just sing it out. Because to quote another forgotten favorite, if you're happy and you know it, then your face and your voice will surely show it. And so not only does that serve to inspire joy with all those people around you, it also becomes an affirmation of our faith and an act of praise. And isn't that, after all, what Paul is getting at in our text for this morning? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. <clears throat> of course, in all fairness, I suspect that when Paul is speaking of rejoicing, he's talking about something much deeper than simply to not worry and be happy. What Paul is talking about here in this epistle of the Philippians is about real and unrestrained rejoicing, the, the kind of joy that lifts us up from the place where we are, the, the kind of joy that sets the standard for everything else we deal with in life, the kind of joy that comes in having one's heart and mind wholly guarded in Christ Jesus. See, the kind of joy we're talking about here is that which exists at the very core of our Christian faith. And, and it is, or ought to be, at least the hallmark 
of our lives as followers and disciples of the risen Savior. It is joy unabashed, and it is joy unrelenting. And therein, you see, lies its power and its great importance for our lives. But also, if we're being honest, uh, it's also where our challenge lies. And I suspect you know why. I mean, right now, how do you speak of unrestrained joy in an age of pandemic? How do you tell somebody to rejoice who has had to suffer through the effects of the COVID-19 virus or, or worse, who has lost someone to that disease? What are we supposed to say to all those people whose lives and livelihoods have been totally upended in this past few weeks with no real resolution in sight? How do you think they are going to respond to Paul's exhortation to rejoice in the Lord always? Quite frankly, I suspect they'd be apt to think it shallow at best and condescending at worst. Hey, your life is falling apart? Again, I say rejoice. See, in that context, an unrestrained and unrelenting joy just doesn't seem all that realistic or reassuring, does it? And yet, in this age, as in every age that has come before, friends, that's exactly what you and I are being called to bring forth in faith. So, the question is, what do we do about this? How do we reconcile this call to be unabashedly joyful with all the real-world difficulties and the struggles that we face? Can we really rejoice always or not? And furthermore, was Paul simply being naive and blind to what was really going on in his time? Or when he tells the Philippians and us to rejoice, does he have something else in mind? Well, perhaps part of the answer lies with Paul himself. After all, here's a man whose entire ministry in Christ was marked by worldly persecution and ridicule, who himself was driven out of several towns and cities, often under the cover of darkness, friends, and through the course of his life was shipwrecked, imprisoned, beaten, and exposed to death, danger, hunger, thirst, fatigue, and, and cold, and all of it for the sake of the gospel. Now, at the time of this letter, to the Philippians, it's late in Paul's life. He's in prison again. This time he is under the guard of the imperial capital of Rome, and he's expecting at any moment that judgment will be rendered and he will be executed. And if that isn't bad enough, it turns out, historically speaking, that the Philippian church was full of problems. They're few in number. They're, they're filled with fear and doubt about the future. They've been persecuted by just about everyone in the city. And what's more, there's infighting going on at just about every level of the church. Quite frankly, it was enough to make any of us throw our hands up in the air and just give up trying. And yet, here's Paul, who remember by this time, is, is growing kind of old and feeble. And, and he's at a point where a bit of discouragement would be understandable. But here's Paul, nonetheless, 
saying boldly and without hesitation in the least, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say it. Rejoice. He doubles down on this. In fact, Paul not only doubles down here, he says this over and over again. You read through the, the epistle to the Philippians and you will discover that he says rejoice 16 times over the course of only four chapters of this particular epistle. And he can do it, you see, because this isn't rejoicing merely for the sake of feeling happy. He's rejoicing because of the one in whom he rejoices. Rejoice in the Lord, Paul says. Rejoice in the Lord always. See, it turns out that there are two basic kinds of joy. There's, first of all, external joy, the kind that comes and goes with whatever is happening in our lives. And it's, and it's wonderful, yes, but it's finite. And it can easily be displaced or destroyed at a moment of conflict or struggle. That's external joy. But there's also, you see, internal joy, the kind of joy that comes from within. When Paul talks about joy, he's talking about the internal joy that the Lord has placed within him and that the Lord places within us. The great theologian Karl Barth said this very well when he wrote that the joy of which Paul is speaking is a defiant nonetheless, which draws strength from the gospel story and, quote, from laying one's deepest concerns before God with thanksgiving. Unquote. See, what we're talking about here is a deep joy that takes root even in the darkness. Joy that has its source in God's great presence. Joy that has its place in God's hope for whatever the future may hold. To put this even more simply, it's not so much rejoicing because of the things that have happened to us in life. It's, in fact, very often we rejoice in spite of all that has happened to us. And that's because we look first to Jesus Christ. We look to what he's done for us and, and, and in us and to us. Our joy, you see, is to be in the Lord. And because of this, you and I can rejoice in all circumstances, even those that are difficult and painful and it involves suffering. We can rejoice not because of what it is we're going through, mind you, but because of the grace of the Lord, the hope, the strength, the love, and the understanding that we're given to see it through no matter what. <clears throat> A few years ago, Lisa and I were invited with some others, uh, mostly UCC clergy and their families, to the home of a Jewish rabbi to share in a Shabbat meal, that is, a Sabbath meal. And the night uh, we were together for that meal, we did everything kosher, the food and the liturgy, and it was wonderful. Actually, if I recall it, uh, the rabbi and his wife were both vegetarians as well. So we were not only kosher, uh, we were also uh, vegetarian that night, which was kind of neat. Now, having studied some Hebrew in seminary, it was nice to hear all the biblical prayers spoken in their original language. And it was nice to be a part of all the traditions that go along with eating in a, in a Jewish household because it's, it's all very, very rich and meaningful. And the music, 
Yes, friends, we all had to sing in Hebrew. The music was fun and very, very joyful. <clears throat> and how do I know this? Because most of the songs we learned to sing that night, and there were several, had a chorus that the rabbi promised that even we Gentiles could sing. Die, 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 die. And I'm thinking to myself, hey, I can do this. Now, actually, one of the songs we sang that night, I've never forgotten. It's called De Yanu, and it is a song for Passover. Now, I would not presume to sing that one here today. But suffice to say that the lyrics, again, all in Hebrew, are a long enumeration of all of God's <clears throat> blessings to his chosen people. But those all are with a twist. In every verse of that song, we sang about what would have been had God not given one of those blessings. In English, had he, not, had he brought us out of Egypt but not fed us in the desert, but brought us out of Egypt, well then, day anew. Dayanu, which in Hebrew means, for that alone, we would have been grateful. There are a whole bunch of verses of that song. If God hadn't done that, then he would have done this, and it would have been great. For that alone, we would have been grateful. See, that song reminds us is that no matter what the challenges we face in the present moment, we still have this relationship with a God who is present and powerful and moving in and through our lives in ways that we can't even begin to fully understand. When we have that, friends, <clears throat> even when we can only perceive it as though it were the size of a mustard seed, well, that's when we learn not to worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving to let our requests be known to God, truly knowing that peace that passes our human understanding is ours and that we can rejoice. I know, six weeks and counting in this time of quarantine and it's all too tempting to let ourselves become sad and angry and embittered over what life and this world has done to us. But I'm here to tell you this morning that it is faith in the wisdom the care, and the perfect mercy of God that strengthens us to transcend these difficulties of life, that we can know life's real joy, which comes to us in Christ. You know, I've quoted a whole lot of songs today, but uh, maybe the one we ought to take to heart is one we sang back in Sunday school, about having that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart, down in my heart, we've got that joy, 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 down in my heart, down in my heart to stay. That's a good song, really, to, and, a, and a great one to take to heart right now. That joy needs to be down in our heart, because when others see such unabashed joy in us, they and our world cannot help but be the better for us. So keep on singing, friends. Keep on rejoicing. And may today and always our thanks be to God. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled Unabashedly Joyful. 
and it was recorded on April the 26th as part of our current series of online services of worship at East Church in Concord, New Hampshire. As this current COVID-19 crisis continues, so do the online services, and we'd like to invite you to be a part of those services with us. We do this via Facebook Live each Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, and these are services that, for us, are truly the next best thing to being there. They've kept us together in the spirit of prayer and fellowship during these days, and, and that does mean a whole lot these days. And I'd really like it if you could join us. And with that, we are at the end of this episode of Love to Tell the Story. This is Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening. And until next time, stay healthy, stay home. May God bless you with a great day each day. We'll talk to you soon.